Real estate is so intricately entwined with the availability of credit and debt, it's the value of it. And you couldn't have borrowed a dollar in real estate in September of 2008. It's no secret that real estate is one of the best investment vehicles out there. But how can we determine which strategies will best align with our financial ambitions? Well, you've come to the right spot. Whether you're an active real estate entrepreneur, a passive investor, or looking to get into real estate investing, our goal is to provide investors with insights and strategies for building our portfolios all while protecting our capital. I'm Daniel Nichols, and this is the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Daniel Nichols, accompanied by our guest for the week, Stuart Heath, and today we are the Two Smart Assets. For those not yet familiar with Stuart, he is the founder and CEO of Harvard Grace Capital, a private equity real estate investment firm that helps people build wealth faster through hands-off real estate investing that generates passive income, reduces risk, and maximizes tax efficiencies. Stuart, sir, it's great to see you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Danny. It's a real honor. Absolute honor to have you on the show. Been pumped to, to speak with you for a while. You know, we kind of roll in some of the same circles. So uh, good to finally meet you and uh, jump on a jump on a call real quick. Um, but, you know, before we jump into all the nitty gritty and all, all the details, uh, let's hear more about you, your background, and what your current focus is. Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, by training, I'm a CPA. Uh, so I'm a financial historian, if you want to call it like that. Um, uh, and I think the only real reason I'm a CPA is because that's what my dad did. And I was okay. halfway through college and it's, I've got to pick something. Uh, and <laughs> and um, anyway, now I've, I've done well with it. It's it's a great career. It's a, one heck of a, an education in business and all kinds of stuff. But um, so got out of Auburn, uh, you know, a few years ago, <laughs> and uh, and and went to work for Price Waterhouse, one of the big eight firms at the time, and uh, and realized you know this really wasn't for me. So naturally, I went. Um, did the same thing just under my own shingle, thinking that was somehow going to be different. Uh, it, it really wasn't. Okay. Uh, and um, but collected all these clients that were um, making money in real estate. Now, uh, and you you gotta have to understand. You know, while I'm in college and just after I was in college, uh, the federal government was passing all of these um, laws in the early '80s that were sort of anti-real estate, especially the 1986 Tax Act, which did away with a lot of passive activity, loss limitations and stuff like that. And so real estate went through a major uh, recession of its own uh, because, I mean, through the early part of my career. So I'm just sort of coming of age in real estate is this negative thing. Okay. I remember sitting and talking with bankers and thinking, oh yeah, we, we don't lend on real estate, which just these days seems so stupid. Oh, yeah, right. you don't lend on the one asset that uh, that that you can, you know, uh, collateralize with 100%. Uh, and and so anyway, I'm watching my clients and their real estate agents who are uh, flipping and fixing and, and, and stuff like that. And so finally, about the year 2000, I uh, uh, I took a shot, bought my first duplex with seller financing and uh, about six months later, I bought a group of 14 duplexes, uh, and uh, and lo and behold, I was in the property management business for myself, and, and after that, um, started building homes uh, and got a contractor's license, and I didn't like that either. 
Uh, it's an awful lot of headache for too little margin, and yeah. um, uh, and did some office condo development uh, and and redid a condominium complex, and then in 2008, uh, you know, the world changed on us, and um, so. Uh, I didn't quite make it through all of that um, uh, unscathed and uh, sort of left real estate for a while and, and went into industry and became a private uh, CFO for private companies for a few years and uh, until about 2017 where I came back out and doing my own consulting thing and started pursuing real estate again. So in 2020, we put together uh, Harvard Grace Capital sure. uh, and we've done... Um, Three deals so far, all, all cash flowing deals, uh, and, and we do the management uh, of them uh, because we think that's the best way to deliver on the, uh, uh, you know, on the pro forma. Because uh, uh, property management a lot of times is a broken model, uh, unless you're just in the in the gigantic property space like a 300 unit multifamily or something. But uh, so you know, we do the management. We don't make any money at management, but but it does help us to ensure um, that we're delivering on on the pro forma that we sold the investors. So that's, absolutely, that's my story. So love to hear, love to hear, great story. You got a ton of experience, and you're absolutely right about property management. You guys being able to have that in house is is really something you know something special, right? And something to bring it in, yeah. and be able to help your investors and the, the whole process, right? So. Love to hear that. But, uh, you know, you've been in the real estate game for, for a while now. You've seen quite a bit. You've seen the ups and downs. You've seen the good and the bad. And uh, up until about, you know, last year, the previous 10 plus years, been pretty kind to investors, right? It's been it's been yeah. pretty decent. Uh, but prior to that, as you mentioned, the great financial crisis of 2008, uh, you had the pleasure of experiencing. Uh, what was your business and your portfolio like prior to everything going sideways? What, like, what were you working on at that time? Yeah. Um, so at the beginning of... Um, 2008, uh, I personally had a portfolio of just over 200 uh, residential rental units. I had some, um, um, we had just finished developing some office condos, uh, which did well. We never had a minute's trouble out of that. And I mean, they were in Franklin, Tennessee, where, okay. and, you know, which is a nice resort that people live in. Uh, and um, uh, and 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 I was in the middle of some of a condo uh, conversion. It wasn't really conversion. It was uh, fix and flips. They were already condos. They had been built as apartments back in the '60s, converted to condos in the '80s. I came along and I almost one by one bought up all all 78 of the uh, uh, condos, and then we went in and rehabbed them. So. So 2008 looked great because at the beginning of 2008, um, we were just bringing the first round of those condo units onto the market. Uh, and we did an open house. We did the whole big thing, your balloons, flags, banners. And, and I had 24 to sell and we sold 26. <laughs> yeah, so, so I got two pre-sales out of it. And that was nice. uh, the second or third weekend of January of 2008. Um, then the market turned. I mean, almost that fast. I closed on every single one of those that, that we sold that weekend. I didn't sell another one for uh, six more months. Wow. Uh, and, and banks were starting to, you know, starting to freak out. You know, we saw Bear Stearns go under. Lehman Brothers was having problems. And 
and it was everything was just starting to grind to a halt, uh, and and it was a problem, and so uh, yeah, ultimately we lost that asset, uh, mm-hmm. and and I, I sort of fought that for the next year, and um, basically ended up giving a lot of assets back to the banks, and uh, sure. just so that we could move on with life. So. Sure. Yeah. Tough times. You know, I mean, I, I got to be honest with you, you know, in 2008, I think that was uh, my soft freshman or sophomore year of college. You know, I was I was pretty much just worried about passing thermodynamics at the time, you know, so uh, yeah. um, I, I got to I got to miss some of that stuff. But, uh, you know, having that experience, you probably took away a lot of foundational lessons from that. Right. You'd be able to apply those to what you're doing today. Yeah. Can you share some of that stuff that you took away from 2008 yeah. and how you're applying that today? Yeah, it's really all very basic stuff. As a CPA, um, you know, I should have known better. Uh, however, you know, we're not immune to um, getting caught up in to um, uh, the frenzy of, of a market that's going up and up and up and up and, and, and had been for almost 10 years. You know, we were so sort of coming off of a crash that happened after 20, after 9-11 mm-hmm. uh, and in 2001 and things been still for a while and then you know everything starts going up again um but the biggest lesson to be learned is um don't discount having enough reserves mm-hmm. we build in reserves into every one of our deals now uh you know and yes that that deflates my our my irr calculations because sure. investors have put in money that is not going to work uh and and it's going to sit there uh, until um, until it's needed. You know, that prevents us from hopefully ever having to make a capital call. It uh, you know, but um, here here's here's the bottom line. I'll put in numbers. So in June 30 of 2008, um, I pulled a bank statement, a, a financial statement for a bank. Uh, and all based on appraisals and all this kind of stuff, I had a net worth uh, in excess of ten million dollars. There was some, there was some twenty million dollars of property. Then there was some debt, and then so you know my share, you know the equity piece of that, along with everything else, was in excess of ten million dollars. Oh. Uh, hardly any cash. Hardly any cash on that. Ninety days later, in the midst of the presidential election and John McCain saying, "Hey." Uh, Barack Obama, let's go back to Washington and fix this financial crisis and let's suspend our campaign. And Barack Obama said, yeah, good luck with that. See, <laughs> and, and, you know, they were both senators at the time. And um, so I figured by the end, so 90 days later, at the end of June, I figured I was upside down $5 million because uh, real estate is so intricately entwined with the availability of credit and debt, it's the value of it. And you couldn't have borrowed a dollar against real estate in September of 2008. Sure. Um, and so, but for the lack of reserves, uh, what I've calculated between three hundred and five hundred thousand dollars to simply carry the note, really, while things settle down, wow. five hundred thousand dollars, I'd still have some of those assets. Absolutely. You, you know, um, so that. That's that's my big takeaway. Uh, obviously, real estate's not bad. It's the oldest investment on the planet, uh, and and yeah, how do you argue with you know, recurring cash flow? It's the original subscription business. So, um, 
so it's not real estate bad. Uh, it's um, it's you got to be covered for the downside. And as CPA, I'm just like, duh. <laughs> you know, um, there, there's nothing earth shattering about that. But yeah. Yeah, so anyway, that, that's the lesson. It's a great it's a great lesson, right? And it's I think you know. I'm glad you brought it up because it's really prevalent right now, right? I think you see a lot of syndicators who are having that exact issue, right? They didn't expect this, you know, major increase in rates and, you know, they didn't have enough reserve on hand. And so they're they're battling that issue right now. So the fact that you've been able to take that from 2008 and apply it to your business now is is super important, right? And so, you know, with that in mind, you know, depending on who you listen to, some are calling for the, the current or impending recession to be worse than 2008. C- considering you went through that experience and now you're here today going through this, how do you think the current situation compares to 2008, if it does at all? Uh, I think that this is one of the most unusual situations uh, that anybody's seen in in. in you know, since since the turn of the last century, since 1900, mm-hmm. since we actually okay. started. Because, I mean, for, for starters, I don't know when they changed the definition of recession, <laughs> okay? You know, because in my book, we, we were in recession last summer. You know, we had sure. two consecutive quarters of declining growth. It's the most predictable thing in the history of the world because, you know, you, you pump $3 trillion or more into the economy and and once that dries up you know sure things are going to slow down mm-hmm. uh, but what's really so unusual right now is everybody's got a job right so uh, the, the other side of that coin is how do you have recession when everybody's working consumer spending is still up uh, significantly we've seen some tech layoffs these are very specific industry and it's way less than even 1% of the jobs in tech. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we look at the overall unemployment numbers. Yeah, and yeah, today Apple said they were laying off some contractors, not employees yet. So I will change my opinion when there starts to be mass layoffs sort of on a broad scale. Sure. And then it's then it can get really worse because in, in 2008, 2009, People were losing their jobs like crazy. Right. Uh, that has not happened. Um, you know, I think the Fed was way behind the curve this year. Um, you can go back and see how some of us were calling for them to raise interest rates halfway through 2020 once they started. Because we know what's going to happen. Right. You put free money into the economy and you're going to get inflation. The, and the intention was to keep people afloat, not to make us all rich. And not that I'm complaining about the latter. I mean, I did a deal last year with a fixed rate for 10 years at 3.25%. I'm not complaining. <laughs> that loan is worth more than the property. Absolutely. You know, uh, Absolutely. And, so, um, I, but I'm, again, it was the most predictable inflation cycle in the history of man. Uh, and you know, and they kept, they made up a term called transitionary, yeah. uh, transitory. Excuse yeah. me. And, and it's like, I, I had to go. I literally went and pulled some of my old books off the shelf. I've never heard of that <laughs> term in my life, and it wasn't there when I was in college. So, um, inflation's not transitory. It's just, it's just not. It's just too much money, chasing too few goods. Right. And, and that's what inflation is. So. Absolutely. Uh, to answer your question, I don't think they're comparable. 
Okay. But I'm Perfect. not particularly worried about right now. Okay. Good deal. Love to hear that. You know, we're obviously, everybody's keeping their eyes open and the, the, the thumb on the, the pulse and all this stuff, trying to see, you know, how this is going to play out. But, uh, you know, I think it just takes us back to the lesson you learned. If you're in this business, have reserves. Um, I think that's going to be one of the biggest game changers. You know, watch your debt, have reserves. Those are the biggest pieces right now. And, you know, if you can, don't overpay for a property, right? I think that's always always something you want to pay attention to. But uh, So, yeah, you, you've been you've been through a lot. You've seen a lot. And, and now, you know, uh, recently you, you started your own real estate investment firm, Harvard Grace Capital, right? What was the spark for founding that that firm? Um, some of it is to put in practice, uh, the things that I've learned, uh, and the rest of it is, um, you know, back in the 1990s and early 2000s, I fell in love with real estate and sort of had to leave it because I was stupid. And, um, and, but I, but, but it never changed my love for real estate. So to put in practice with what I, uh, with what I learned, it's, we do cash flow deals. Uh, very conservatively underwritten. Uh, and so, I mean, you talk about the guys doing capital calls because they weren't prepared for higher interest rates. I get that. I mean, when I'm doing stabilized properties, we're not doing floating rate debt. We're doing sure. fixed rate debt. So that's an issue we're not going to have. If you're in the middle of a rehab, yeah. fix and flip or whatever, yeah, you're going to have floating debt. Uh, and, and that, that uh, I feel for them. That, that wasn't anything they did. Right. Um, and that, that's just sort of the subjects, uh, you know, being subject to, um, you know, the project that you took on. But ours are all very stabilized, structured, boring. They're boring deals. <laughs> uh, you know, when you get to be my age, you like boring. And um, and ours are cash flowing from, from the get-go. Uh, and our investors are, are pretty happy because we, we pay out calendar quarters, you know, uh, like say from day one, we closed a property December first. We we paid out in the middle of January. Uh, on, you know, it. it was just one month. But, but, sure, and we stayed on that calendar quarter uh, uh, schedule. And, and uh, yeah, some of them made fun of us about that. So that's what I said I was going to do. <laughs> love, love it, love to hear that. And you know, you said you know, boring is good, and I totally agree. Especially if uh, boring equals cash flow, right? I think that's one of those yes. things that they're always yeah. looking for, right? If, if we're getting cash flow, I can be bored all day. That's just fine. So uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, big big difference between investing and trading, and um, and that kind of concept. And I'm not against fix and flip deals. Uh, matter of fact, we're looking at one right now, and I'm trying to just put ourselves in position to to buy it when somebody else has flipped it. So you know, um, so you know, we'll get a slightly better purchase uh, by contracting it two years in advance, kind of a thing. But uh, yeah, it's not going to be a Harvard Grace deal. Uh, that and I, I had my feel of contracting and stuff like that, but it's a real profession, and, and you don't want somebody who's accountant, property manager, contractor. I, I mean, you don't want all that under one hat. So, well, uh, that's the other thing I've, I guess I've learned is that I want to go work with great people who are great at what they do. Absolutely. I think we were t- we touched on that a little bit before the show. You know, it's all about partnering with the right people. That's that's one of those things you you really got to pay attention to. And if you can get that right, uh, you know, you can survive a lot. So I think that's a, yes. that's a huge thing right there. And you know, so why aren't you greedy? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's a great yeah. point. Uh, and while we're talking about Harvard Grace Capital, you know, you guys are really focused on you know a certain area. And we talked a little bit about before the show, the Tennessee Valley. Can you tell us a little about a little tell us a little bit about uh, the Tennessee Valley and why that's a focus for you guys? Yeah, um, 
the Tennessee Valley is uh, this area that we call in marketing that the 840-565 corridor. So you've got 840, which is a interstate bypass running on the south side of Nashville, Tennessee, and 565, which is an interstate connector, runs through northern Alabama. And so uh, we're, we're, we're doing deals in between those two. Okay. A lot of rural areas, but the, but the heartbeat of that, it's Huntsville, Alabama. Okay. Which has been going gangbusters since 2008. Last, last spring, a U.S. News World Report named Huntsville as the nicest place to live in America. And I just thought about buying up every copy, as, <laughs> you know. But, I mean, it, it's, you know, it, population increase the last 10 years has doubled from about 220 to about um, uh, 440 now. Okay. And that's that's more of the entire northern Alabama region. But it's being driven by defense contracting uh, and a lot of uh, private um, investment. Toyota, Mazda have a, have a major um, plant that they put in there. They've... Uh, Started out saying they're going to hire 3,000, and now they're up to 6,000. You know, they're building in Mazda and Toyota building engines together. Facebook has a major data center there. Okay. Uh, there's al- There was already lots of manufacturing in the area, uh, but the biggest uh, part of that is Huntsville um, is home to the Redstone Arsenal. In 2008, uh, the Base Realignment Commission, that nonpartisan group of Congress, uh relocated three army commands uh, to the Redstone Arsenal. Uh, the only thing was there before was just sort of a sleepy operation that supported NASA and some missile defense stuff uh, and a bunch of engineers who couldn't tell you what they did. Yeah, you because know, you know, it's all top secret stuff. But so NASA's, uh, and Huntsville's been home to NASA and, and a lot of defense contracting. So now it's just even more so. All, the entire purchasing function of, of the Army is centered in Huntsville now. Okay. Uh, the FBI is moving uh, part of their Quantico operations um, to the Redstone Arsenal that's being constructed right now. The CIA and uh, NSA are moving people there, but they won't tell you how many. Um, you, you know, and, and I mean, it's just, it, it's like going to be federal government south. Sure. It, it's, it, and, and, and all of those jobs, you know, creates four other jobs. And right. All those people got to have houses, and and the and the houses need places to buy their groceries and doctors, and and so it's just this uh, massive um, engine that that's pumping out opportunity. And it's not just in Huntsville. I live in Fayetteville, about uh, thirty minutes north of uh, Huntsville, and it's affecting us too. I mean, okay. Yeah, ha- half of our people here work down there, but but uh, people want to live up here, uh, and so there's a half dozen or a dozen little towns like like Fayetteville that are all being you know uh, I- impacted by the growth of Huntsville as well. So there's just opportunities everywhere for uh, strip centers and multifamily opportunities, and, uh, home building. It's just it, it's just. It reminds me of Nashville 30 years ago. Oh man, I mean that's that's where you want to be then, you know. And you brought up two <laughs> yeah. you brought up two great points, you know. If you're as a real estate investor or anybody who's looking to get into real estate, some of the two main things you got to look for is population growth, job growth, and job diversity. I guess that's three things, yep. but uh, those are the things you're really looking for. So you know, you sound like you really found a jackpot there. We won't try to tell too many people about it, you know. I think, I think <laughs> the word might be out, but. Uh, um, still, that that's fantastic. You know, uh, um, we'll probably have to connect a little bit more on that later. But uh, you know, sure. sounds like great markets. 
you know, Harvard Grace Capital doing great things. We touched on a little bit before the show, but what are you guys focused on for the rest of 2023? Any objectives you're looking to achieve, say, in the next six to 12 months? Uh, Actually, our first half goal is to connect with uh, more and more investors uh, this year. We did happen upon a deal that we've now, um, we we think will be under contract tomorrow uh, and, and really wasn't our focus. But, you know, once you're in the market, deals start to come to you. Uh, but our main focus is um, connecting with investors that, who are interested in cash flowing deals in, in this geographic area. Uh, and so major focus of ours. Um, other than that, we're always on the hunt for good deals and sure. good deal flow. So. Sure. Love to hear that. Uh, you know, Stuart, this has been a great conversation. Love to hear, you know, your story, your experiences, what you went through in 2008, what you took away from that, and then what you guys are doing now at Harvard Grace Capital. But before we get out of here, tell listeners how they can find out more about you and get in touch with you. Best place to get in touch with me is at harvardgracecapital.com. Uh, hopefully in about two weeks, that'll be a brand new site, but you can still go there now. Um, there's a link there to book some time with me. If you're, if you're interested, you can join our mailing list there. You can look at our existing deals uh, and just find out what we're all about. Awesome. We're going to make sure we're going to make sure to put all this stuff in the show notes. Stuart, this has been an amazing conversation. Thanks again for taking the time to speak to you today. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Hey, real quick before we get out of here, do me a huge favor and leave a rating and review for the podcast. We're always looking to bring you guys the best insights and strategies for building our real estate portfolios and your ratings and reviews really help with getting top guest speakers that are the best in the real estate investing business. I promise this will only take you a few seconds and I'd really appreciate it. Thanks for being awesome, guys. Cheers.